Hey everyone, we're uh, so delighted that you've connected with us today and joined us online for our virtual worship service. Um, we really appreciate it when you take the time to connect with us with your communication card. And thanks uh, for those of you who are faithfully doing that. And we would really be grateful if you would do that for us today. Uh, before I begin, I want to just let you know we're going to start a nine-week uh, series beginning next week that's going to lead up to Easter. It's called The Road to Redemption. It will be from the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John. Next week, we're going to celebrate communion together. We want to let you know that. And uh, that's something that we prepare for. Uh, we are responsible to examine our own lives but before we do that. And uh, we'll be distributing uh, sealed communion if that's uh, helpful to you. And you can also provide your own elements at home um, for the bread and, and the cup. So let's begin. When I was a younger man, I took a doctoral class with Dallas Willard, a philosophy professor from the University of Southern California, where he served for 48 years. Dallas Willard was a committed Christ follower who wrote widely about spiritual formation in the church. He was always concerned about why the church was not raising up more people to reflect Jesus. He wrote books like The Divine Conspiracy, Renovation of the Heart, and The Spirit of the Disciplines. Once when he was being interviewed over a two-hour period, the interviewer said, uh, Dr. Willard, when you look at how off-track the church is today, do you ever want to just throw your hands up in despair? And Dallas Willard smiled and he said, never. He said, I know because Christ is the head of the church and he knows what he's doing. I think it's really good for us to be reminded of that today. Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he knows what he's doing Sometimes, I think we may live as we may think he doesn't know what he's doing. Sometimes we live as if we don't trust him. So consider today a reminder as we talk about why our community needs the bridge. First, we're going to be looking at Matthew 16, verse 18, because the church is God's idea. The church is God's idea. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not the idea of the Baptists or the Presbyterians or the Catholics uh, or the Methodists or the Evangelical Free Church. The church is God's idea. Let's look at Matthew uh, 16 and verse 18. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. When, when Jesus said these words, he was with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi up in the northern part of Galilee. And he had just asked the question, who do you say that I am? It was Peter who piped up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter got it right. And Jesus had said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So I want to focus just on this short, second, short section for a little bit. Remember that we are 
handpicked by God. You were handpicked by God. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 reminds us that uh, for he that is Christ chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Um, This was God's idea even before the creation of the world for you and me to be holy and blameless, to change our lives so that we would be more like his son Jesus. He continues, in love he predestined us, verse 5, for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. He did this in love according to his good pleasure. Then in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, um, the Apostle Paul continues, he says, in him, that, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We have redemption in his blood, in Christ's blood, because of what Jesus did for us. He paid the price of our sin penalty by his death on the cross. And this was according to the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. We we couldn't earn it and we didn't deserve it. It was a gift. Verse 9, he continues, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. God did this to fulfill his purpose in Christ. And this has been a mystery. It was a mystery all through the Old Testament, never revealed before. God would redeem a people, separate, different from the nation Israel. God would redeem a people for himself through the crucifixion of his son. They were handpicked by God to be a part of his church. And this was God's idea. And then we see and reminded that it was proclaimed by Jesus. This is a passage we just looked at. And this is the very first time we see the word church in the Bible. Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The church, remember, is made up of people. It's those who have placed their faith in Christ. It's those uh, who have been born again. It's about people, and just a reminder, it's not about the buildings. It's so easy for us to talk about a church being a building at a specific location, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. So let's make some observations about Matthew 16, verse 18. The first one is, the church belongs to Jesus. He said, it's my church. I will build my church. He's the owner of operator of his church his shed on the cross was a ransom paid to god for our sin penalty he purchased the church through his own blood the church belongs to jesus and that means that we belong to jesus you and i sometimes we say things like well the bridge is my church and and by that we mean uh, the, the bridge is a place I, that I attend or the, the, the bridge is the, the church where I go or it's one that I'm committed to or it's, it's a where I'm a member. 
But the church really belongs to Jesus. It's good for us to be reminded. Secondly, Jesus does the work of building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's the builder. He's the architect. And we are his servants. He's the head and we are his body. He provides all of the resources for building his church. Uh, He provides the power and the strength in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the head of the church, but he left the earth and he returned to heaven at the ascension of Christ. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to come and to indwell his people, to indwell the church so that the Holy Spirit could empower them for serving Christ, for the Holy Spirit to empower the church uh, to do the work of Christ, to make disciples, to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. Jesus does, does the work and he provides the resources. He provides the word of God that changes people's lives. He provides all of the financial resources. He provides our health, uh, the air we breathe. He provides our abilities, our spiritual gifts, which separate why some of us are, are different than some of us have different abilities. Jesus works through us, and he does the work of building his church. Thirdly, the church will advance against the forces of darkness. The gates of hell will not overcome Jesus' church. The gates of Hades will not overpower Jesus' church. Death will not overpower Jesus' church. The second death will not overcome the church of Jesus. Jesus did make a promise to his disciples that the church, that the, um, the gates of hell would not overcome his church. Yes, they may face physical death. Yes, it may appear at times that the forces of darkness are winning the battle. But it is the church that has the life. It is the church that has the message of life. And it will prevail because Jesus is the builder and he is building his church. Next we see, um, we're going to look at another passage that the church is God's plan for world redemption. And I'm going to read this passage before we look at it. The church is God's plan for world redemption. We're going to pick this up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. In verse 17, the apostle Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. The church is God's plan for world redemption right now. The church is God's plan, plan A, to reach our world. There is no plan B. Sometimes I think we forget that. 
God wants his church to make disciples for Christ. God wants his church to help people connect with God and to develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. To to begin in verses 17 and 18, God has done the work of reconciliation. Verse 17 again, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's the new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. As a 25-year-old atheist, God got my attention And he drew me in to listen and to hear the gospel for the first time in a way that I could understand it. Sometimes the gospel seems simple, and yet it's really hard for unbelievers to understand. And scripture even says it's veiled to those who are perishing, to those who don't understand God is the one that has to change their situation, change their circumstances, and remove that that veil. And I reached out to God on a, by a very simple and a weak faith, faith. I placed my faith in Christ who uh, took my place as my substitute in paying for my sin penalty, the stuff that I had done to dishonor God. And though I didn't expect it, he brought a huge change to my life. And I was born again, born again spiritually. And I became a child of God. And I was given a a new nature, a a nature that connected me with my heavenly father. And my sins were forgiven. And I became a new creature, a new creation in Christ. And I was joined with Christ, connected uh, to him in his body. And Paul writes, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God reconciled me to himself. God reconciled you to himself. We had been enemies of God, and I had been highly critical of God. Uh, Some people are enemies and they just don't know it. Uh, But it was through Christ's death that God brought me into a new relationship. Now I am his child. Now I have a new nature that is a new capacity to please God that I didn't have before. And it's not by our effort. It's it's not by trying harder um, or trying to do better. It was all God's work. Also, in verse 18, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Continuing in verse 18, again, Paul says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. All of us who are Christ followers have been reconciled uh, to God. Um, where, Where there was no relationship, there is a new eternal spiritual relationship when before we were enemies of God and at enmity with God, now uh, we have a new relationship with God, and now we're not enemies, we're friends of God. And here's what I wanted you to see. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now we have this ministry this opportunity to serve, this responsibility to serve, because that's what ministry means. 
now we are a part of God's solution for sin. Now God wants to use us to help others connect with him. Now God wants us to help others understand how they can have a relationship with God because most people just don't understand how to have a relationship with God. And now God wants to use us, but he wants to provide all the resources that we need. And then also in verse 19, we've been given the message of reconciliation. Look at verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. This is really the big picture of Christ's death on the cross. And he was not counting people's sins against them. So when I came to faith at the age of 25 and had been an atheist and had been far from God and critical of God, and when I recognized my sin and the humility and embarrassment that my own personal sin brought, now, because of Christ, God is not counting my sins against me. And he's not counting your sins against you either. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Um, we have the message of reconciliation. Uh, it's, the, it's the gospel. It's good news. Simply put, and I say this over and over again, and you probably get it, but somehow we have a really hard time making this clear to people that we care about. Simply put, Christ died for our sins. We deserve an eternal death. We deserve to be condemned to hell. You can argue with God about this, but that is how he has revealed it. That's the truth that he's communicated. Jesus took our place. Jesus experienced our death. The penalty for our sin has been paid for, and that's good news. And that is the message of reconciliation. Uh, and it has been committed to us, and we are responsible for it as the church. Lastly, we are messengers of reconciliation. We see this in verse 20. We are the messengers of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, as if God was actually talking through us, that he is giving us words to communicate. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are to go ahead of Christ and speak for him. Our job is to represent him and to speak on his behalf. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses. He told that to his disciples, and it applies to all Christ followers. We are eyewitnesses to what God has done in our own lives. Our job is to tell people the truth about what we know about God. To tell people the truth about what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can't tell people about things we don't know about. We are to tell people about what we do know about. 
So, question for us today, why is this a big deal? Why is this a big deal? Or do you think it's a big deal? I want you to know it is. Because our world has no hope apart from Christ. Our world has no hope before God and His righteous judgment when it comes to looking at their sin. Our world has no hope. This is absolutely true. Having a perfect body in this life is not going to make any difference when you stand before God. Having lots of money and nice things when you stand before God will not make any difference. Having lots of friends will not make any difference. Being liked on social media is not going to make any difference. Having a beautiful home and expensive cars won't help. Having edu educational degrees and great achievements are not going to matter. Having a successful career won't change anything. Being the best athlete or the best music musician won't help when it comes to standing before God. Look what the writer of Hebrews has to say. Hebrews 9, 27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. All people, unless Jesus comes first, are destined to die a physical death. All people. We don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about physical death. We don't like to think about people that we care about and people that we love to think that they're going to die. Your parents are going to die. My parents already have. Your kids are going to die. Your spouse is going to die. Your brothers and sisters are going to die. Your aunts and your uncles and your cousins, they're going to die. Your best friends, all of your coworkers, all of your classmates, they're going to die. And after physical death, they're going to face their own real personal judgment before God. We don't talk about that very much. Jesus called it condemnation to hell. The apostle Paul described it as a place of eternal torment. The apostle John described it as a place reserved for the devil and his angels. Just after John 3.16, remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just after that, the most famous verse in all the Bible comes John 3.17 and 18, which we don't hear a lot about. Look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save the whole world. He, he came to save all people who would place their faith in him. And that's uh, why we are here now as ambassadors of, for Christ and of Christ is because of why Jesus came. And then we go to verse 18. Whoever believes in him is, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. The good news is, is whoever believes is not condemned. If you've believed, you're not condemned. The bad news is, 
those who do not believe stand condemned already right now. Why? Because they have not believed what God has said about his son. Do you know people who do not know Jesus yet? Think about them. They stand condemned before God right now. And they need someone to help them to navigate spiritual reality. Someone to help them to have access to God uh, to, to, uh, on God's terms. So often people want to uh, establish their own terms on how they think they should be accepted by God. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except by me. So a question again, what, why do we need to reach our community? I have uh, th three things I want to say here. First, because the population of Eau Claire is 69,506. That's the 2020 number. And the Eau Claire metro is over 100,000. And it depends on how you count the Eau Claire metro. You can, you'll look at statistics, and it, some of them add communities that are quite a ways out. And sometimes the number goes clear up to 165,000. We are the largest city in northwestern Wisconsin. Um, why do we need to reach our community? Secondly, because there are 19,200 college and university students in Eau Claire. And um, college students are in a stage in their lives where ideas have a huge impact on them that affect them for years and years to come. And passing our faith to the next generation is a huge responsibility with a potential for major impact for life. This is one of the things that attracted me to Eau Claire in the beginning, the, the, the possibility to reach the younger generation. Back when we met at, at CVTC, Chippewa Valley Tech College, in the very beginning, um, we had some commuter, commuter students that would come, but we had uh, a large number of students that, that walked from the residence halls from the University of Eau Claire. At times, we had up to 80 college students on a Sunday. Sometimes, we would have people come and visit the church. They would really like our service, but they came away saying, you are a college church. I don't think that's for our family. And of course, we didn't see ourselves as a college church. We loved having the students, but we saw ourselves as a church who wanted to reach all generations. Third reason, why do we need to reach our community? Because when it's all said and done, it is estimated that between 70 and 85% of our area are functionally unchurched. Now, this is a very hard statistic to measure. When we planted the bridge, I did a demographic study, and uh, there were several approaches to take. And I, I came to the conclusion that at least 70% of the people in Eau Claire would be considered unchurched or dechurched. Some more recent church planters in the area have said that up to 85% is a more accurate statistic. And there are a lot of ways to measure this. And one of the ways, you know, just think about this. 
If you considered counting every church in the city of Eau Claire or every church in the Chippewa Valley and um, you looked at their fullest capacity for a service and then you took how many services do they have on a weekend? You know, if they have one or two or four or five, add them all together, assuming that they're full at every service, every week. How many people would be there? The bigger question is, is how many people are not there? And it's probably closer to 80%. You know, people drive through a, a community and they see churches, they see church buildings, and it's, why do we need one more church? Well, the work is amazing. What needs to be done um, why do we need to reach our community? Jesus said this in Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. He, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Now, he may be looking out and, and looking at a field right then when he was talking to them. Um, he, he's using this right out of his, his everyday life, a picture, an agricultural concept. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But I don't think he's talking about agriculture. He's talking about their role to reach people and to help people connect with God. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he says, it starts with prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The potential of the harvest of souls in Eau Claire and our communities around is plentiful. Lost people matter to God. The problem is the workers are few. Those committed to getting the good news out are few. We need more people engaged in the solution. And that's why we start with prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Would you join me to pray, to ask the Lord of the harvest? Would you pray this week for God to send out his ambassadors? Would you pray that God would enable you to represent him well as his ambassador? Would you pray this week that God will enable you to share your own personal story with one other person in the coming weeks. Would you pray and ask God to, en to enable you to share your story? How has God worked in your life? To begin building a relationship with somebody and beginning to pray and ask God to open their hearts to hear the good news. Why does our community need the bridge? The biggest reason I can think of is because hell is very real. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is Lord of lords. We acknowledge today that Jesus is our Lord, that he has given us a mission to help people connect with God and to develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. 
Now help us to join you in what you're doing in building your church. Help us to be conscious of this. May we not just be going through the motions, at times focusing on having a good time, but remembering that we are in a spiritual battle and lives are being taken and lives are being lost and we can make a difference. God challenged us this week to come to you as the Lord of the harvest. Give us grace. Give us your resources to represent you well. Help us to look into our world, into our situation, the workplace, where we go to school, our neighborhoods. Even during COVID, and as we come to the spring and have an opportunity to be outdoors more and more, give us opportunities to represent you well and to be able to share our story, to share what we know, to share how you've worked in our lives so that we can together as a team help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. In Jesus' powerful name I pray, amen.